This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with David Eby now, uh, the premier designate of British Columbia. And it's the first, it's a caucus meeting today, right? Yeah, so this is the beginning of the transition of uh, the leadership from John Horgan to David Eby. It's already in motion, but uh, we're going to see it play out today. Uh, One o'clock, there's a caucus meeting, uh, the regular one o'clock caucus meeting, government caucus meets every day at one. But today is going to be a bit of a show as David Eby will be attending the first one uh, in quite some time. And now he's attending as the premier designate. Right. Uh, so it's going to be a photo op. We're going to have you know shots of he and Horgan walking out of the premier's office and then walking. We're not, of course, allowed into the caucus room, but there are exceptions, and that'll be exception today. Cameras will be in the caucus room to show uh, David Eby coming in. Uh, I'm I'm betting there'll be a standing ovation from the caucus. <laughs> I'm just going out on a limb there. Yeah. He'll say a few few words, not much, and then um, we're expect to learn the identity of his new chief of staff tomorrow mm-hmm. and deputy chief of staff, perhaps his new deputy minister in the premier's office. Uh, uh, he's also going to be spend all his time all week, his head buried in books because all ministries had to provide briefing books of all their activities as of last week. Those, those are all in-house, so we'll be going through those one by one, meeting with ministers and deputies. So it's going to be a busy couple of weeks. And then the swearing-in doesn't occur, in my understanding, until the second week of November. November 7th is when all the municipal councils are sworn in. And right. So I don't think it's going to be that day. So I expect November 8th or 9th, David Eby will go to Government House and get sworn in by Lieutenant Governor Jan Austin. And it was interesting to hear you say that you will probably hear about some appointments, like a chief of staff appointment in mm-hmm. Eby's office, which obviously is key. But what about a cabinet? That one that would obviously not happen until after he's premier. So, yeah, so what, are, you, are you expecting a big cabinet shuffle here? I don't think so. No. But every, everybody's talking about that. Like yeah. nobody's really got a handle on what what's coming on that front. You know, you've got a government that's significantly ahead in the polls from the opposition. Does it really need a lot of change, yeah. or do you just keep going? Maybe uh, I think he wants to bring in some new faces. I think he wants to. Uh, <clears throat> Nothing prevents him from enlarging the cabinet by a couple of posts. You know, you bring in some some new backbenchers. Uh, I'm not sure you move a lot of people around, but again, um, who knows? I mean, it could be a, a significant cabinet shuffle. I think if he's already said he doesn't has no intention to call an election before 2024, so it would make more sense, I think, to make some t- sort of tinker around the edges right now, and then make the big shuffle closer to the election when you really bring in a lot of new blood. You, you have the the proverbial "Are you running again?" conversation with your cabinet. If you're not running again, you get replaced. And I think there's more of those. Uh, more that would be a bigger shuffle closer to the next election. Why do you think he would want to wait for an election? I mean, he'd have a pretty good argument to make right now that I need a mandate from British Columbians. I was not elected as the premier. Considering so. what happened in municipal mayors in the in the municipal elections, I don't think yeah. you want to go near the electorate right now. Right. The electorate is not exactly supportive of incumbents. So many incumbents, record number of incumbents lost their jobs. 
the economy is still struggling. Now is not the time, I think, to go in front of the electorate. Including think, uh, Kennedy Stewart, whom he personally endorsed, and then Stewart got smoked. Very questionable move. Why, well, I don't know why EB did that. I mean, he's running to be the premier. Uh, why you would step into municipal politics on that way is just a lot, of, a lot of head shaking in the NDP caucus, I can tell you, over that move. Okay, we all also have the aftermath of this very messy leadership process and Anjali Apaterai, of course, disqualified mm-hmm. his only his only opponent the accusations that the environmental movement or the green party was trying to infiltrate and take over the party she signed up a, a ton of new members a lot of them are environmental activists she put out the number 14,000 yeah that's a that's a lot and eb was asked about that last week what about all these new party members that she signed up who want a, a much more aggressive climate change policy from this government here's what he had to say and then they'll get your thoughts so here's eb Uh, Those young climate activists who are committed to that issue, you are a vital part of the future of our party. I welcome you. I want to work with you. Your thoughts? Well, I've got a column out today uh, about how David Eby should basically stick to John Horgan's script, which got the NDP into power uh, and won a record election in 2020 by being basically a moderate centrist left party, not an activist party. You want to go the activist route, welcome to opposition. And that's always been the age-old debate within the NDP. Do you, do you cling to really ideological beliefs uh, that aren't popular with the general public in the hopes of maybe forming government, which you never will? Or do you compromise and have more moderate uh, positions and therefore reach to the, the centrist moderate voters? And that's what the NDP did in 2017. That's what it did in 2020 by an impressive margin where it formed power. So it's always, you know, do you stick to ideology or do you uh, want to form power? And that's the challenge for David Eby. So I don't think he's going to embrace uh, Angeline Appadai's um, policies in terms of banning no. fracking, getting rid of the LNG industry, basically dismantling the forest industry by banning total all old growth um, logging and any other number of, of issues. It's just uh, you want to doom yourself to the electoral desert. Go go that way. Okay, speaking of new premiers, let's take a look next door. Danielle Smith, the new premier of Alberta. Here she is speaking to uh, a convention of her party, the United Conservative Party. And here she is talking about this uh, this idea or this promise she had about the Sovereignty Act in Alberta where Alberta would somehow or another refused to enforce federal laws that they thought go against Alberta's interests. Here's what she had to say. Listen to the reaction of the crowd here. Daniel Smith. When Ottawa announces policies and laws that attack our economy or violate the rights of our people, or when Ottawa seeks to take control of our sovereign areas of provincial jurisdiction, our UCP government will not enforce those laws and policies in this province, period. Okay, so members... Members of her own party liking that. Can she yeah. really do that? Uh, well, she says she'll abide by Supreme Court of Canada decisions. That's that's the caveat to that. Okay. So a lot of this will likely get tested in court. Even members of her own party say this is just not doable. But uh, we'll see. It's going to be entertaining to watch Danielle Smith. I mean, she's made some pretty wacko comments, but we'll see on this one. Alberta traditionally likes to fight with Ottawa. And uh, Alberta governments do well fighting with Ottawa. But we'll see. I th- still think if... You had to bet on someone winning the next election. I favor Rachel Notley and the NDP over the UC. I mean, you've, they've already indicated, Alberta's already indicated that they would refuse to enforce federal uh, gun laws in, in part, mm-hmm. you know, especially the, the assault weapon ban that Trudeau brought in. They said they would not, they would ask police not to enforce that. Um, yeah, any, not, kind of, any kind of measures that go against the interests of oil and gas in Alberta, you'd think she would 
try to oppose that. Well, I mean, it's one thing to say, well, we're not going to enforce it. But it's another thing if someone wants to go to court and says, no, you have to enforce it. That's when this is going to be decided. And she has indicated she will she will abide by the Supreme Court of Canada decisions. And she abides by the Supreme Court. One assumes she would abide by other lower court decisions. But she wants to pick a fight with Ottawa because it's in her political interest to do so. Okay, more political change across the pond in the United uh, yes. Kingdom. So Rishi Sunak is the new prime minister in the United Kingdom. First person of color to be the prime minister in uh, in uh, the UK. Uh, they're far behind in the polls, though. But yeah. I think of all the candidates, he's probably the most attractive and most potentially most popular. And Bojo, Boris Johnson, took himself out of the race yesterday, even though the bookies on Friday, the UK bookies, who are notorious for... Um, really have an influence on on policy and, and events uh, made him the favorite to win. But uh, clearly, I think Johnson did not see a clear victory, so didn't want to risk the embarrassment of losing. Yeah, I listened to an interview with his Boris Johnson's former press secretary who said, Johnson hates to lose, mm-hmm. and he would only run for this again if he was really confident he was going to win. So I, I imagine that the writing was on the wall here, and he probably could not beat Sunak. Well, Sunak has the support of the caucus, it seems. Rishi the Dishi is the Tabs uh, column. Because um, he's so handsome, right? Handsome. And, and Rishi Rich, they call Rishi him, too. Rishi Rich, his wife is the heiress to one of the biggest tech f- company fortunes in India. Um, yeah. But the UK, the Labour Party, you and I were just looking at the polls, was it 52-22 or something like that? Oh, they got like a 30-point lead. Yeah. It's the Labour uh, Labour Party. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the people who voted for Johnson, uh, a lot of ex-Labourites, has seemed to have come back to the fold. Jeremy Corbyn, the former leader, pretty significantly left, accused of anti-Semitism. He's gone. Um, you've got a much more, you know, I think, popular leader there with the labor's uh, labor rights. Keir Starmer. Yeah, Keir Starmer. So, uh, and he seems reasonable and moderate, uh, unlike Corbyn. And so you've got two sort of electric figures taken off the stage in Corbyn and Boris Johnson. And you've got two more stable, I think, moderate faces uh, to wage a fight in the next election, which is still two years away. Yeah, the the Labour Party over there will frame Rishi Sunak as a very rich and privileged guy, right? So they'll point to, you know, his Oxford education, his elite prep schools, and, you know, his married married into massive wealth. I don't think it's the prep schools so much because so many people go to prep schools in uh, the UK, but it's the wealth. It's the married into wealth, out of touch with the common person. Yeah. That's going to be the argument coming from Labour. Time for a change. Uh, they screwed up the Brexit situation. Uh, you know, he'll be dubbed Boris Light or something like that. Let's listen to a clip of him. So here's Rishi Sunak, and, and he's on the defensive here when an, an interviewer asks him, are you too rich here? Like, are, are you kind of an elitist one percenter? What do you say to people who think you're out of touch, too rich for this job? Here's what he had to say. I've always been a completely normal UK taxpayer. My wife is from another country, so she's treated differently. But she explained that in the spring, and she resolved that issue. But there there is commentary about my wife's family's wealth. And so let me just address that head on, because I think it's worth doing. Because I'm actually incredibly proud of what my parents-in-law built. His, his wife, at one point, was accused of sort of effectively dodging taxes because she mm-hmm. wasn't paying U.K. taxes and some of her overseas investments. Yeah. Then she said she would start paying British taxes even on her overseas yeah. wealth, and that's, you know, trying to put that fire out. But he'll continue to be framed as this very sort of, you know, extremely wealthy, Pampered, entitled, guy. out of touch, rich yeah. person, really has nothing in common with the common voter. That's going to be Labour's theme. 
They've got a 30-point lead. Um, tough to squander that, but it can be done. Yeah, and I, I, I imagine he would not want an election anytime no. soon. No, so he can wait to 2024. Yeah. He's got to he's got to re, he's got to build his brand. Right. I mean, right now his brand is on display within the Tory caucus. Hopefully, Tory he does party. it better than Liz Truss did. Oh, Liz Trust, what a disaster uh, yeah. that was. But uh, the Conservatives are in a lot of trouble in the UK. There's no question. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, welcome back to the show. It's Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's Beat. Phone lines are open. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898, toll free on your cell. Ed on the line in South Surrey. Hey, Ed. Yes, I'd like to run a little theory behind you. Number one, I assume McCallum hasn't conceded for the third time. Uh, the absentee vote, where's that? But I've got a little theory here. When I was listening to the campaign running up to the, the, the vote, the only money people I see spending money were uh, Mr. Hogg and McCallum, the only on CKNW. Brenda Locke had nothing. I feel that Hogg was there to help McCallum to defeat Brenda Locke. What say you? Okay, well, okay, thank you. Well, McCallum now... I believe McCallum is now finally he's dropped finally his ex- he's conceded. dropped his uh, recount. Yeah, yeah. At first he was he wasn't giving up, but he's conceded he close. now. Yeah, it was close. I think you could argue that uh, Sue Dollywall may have cost McCallum the election. I think they share the same pool of voters, and yeah. he got a re- relatively small number. But that if you take Do- Dollywall's voters and put them in McCallum's camp, McCallum's the mayor. So Brenda Locke, the incoming uh, mayor there, as you you called that one too. You said Locke was a lock. It mm-hmm. looked like going into that. So where does that where does that end up with the um, police force? Well, that's uh, you know I've talked to Mike Farnworth about this. He says the the ball is in Locke's court. She's got to come up with a plan that uh, does not jeopardize policing uh, levels in Surrey, and even for a short term period for a transition, you've got to. So Farmer says his chief responsibility is to ensure there is effective and safe policing in Surrey at all times, and um, a move back cannot jeopardize that. So Locke has to come up with a fairly detailed plan. To undo this thing, but it can be and done. To keep the because her her position is to keep the RCMP, yep. right? Yeah, but yep. if she if she can come up with a plan that shows there's no reduction in police uh, service levels with going back to the, uh, maintaining the RCMP, it can be done. But it, the work is uh, ahead for her. Not it's not too far down the road to undo it. I mean, I know she says it's not. Well, she says it's not, but again, she has to have a plan. Yeah, and she has not presented a plan. Okay, and it's got to be a very detailed plan. Corey and Burnaby, hi, Corey. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Yeah, um, I just want to call about David Eby. I mean, I feel this guy's going to be really bad at uh, leading the DP. I mean, he can barely lead a uh, leadership uh, race. Uh, so how is he going to be leading a party? I mean, just the other day with his uh, acceptance speech, I mean, it was like like all over the place. He was stumbling. It was like, okay, this is not a good good, good jump out of the gate here, guys. <laughs> so, But as a conservative, I'm really happy he's in. <laughs> Well, I'm sure the liberal. Thanks for the call. The, the BC Liberals are happy to have him rather than Horgan in there. Well, Horgan is, you know, he's leaving office on a on a high. We've never seen a premier this popular, and not just popular once, but sustained for five years. 
It's it's extraordinary. So it's going to be. I'm not sure that's a fair comparison for for EB because I'm not sure anyone can really compare to Horgan. On and you don't like have this. to be a great firebrand populist speaker to succeed. No. I no. mean, he's not a great. I I thought he looked. He sounded nervous during yeah. his news conference. There's some long awkward pauses. Anyway, your yeah, no, he's not. He's not the best communicator, but he's a very intelligent guy. I wouldn't underestimate him at all. Yeah, but again, right. I think the key for success for EB is not his public speaking. It's his public policy. Right. Fit in one more. Jim in Surrey. Jim, you got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. I heard uh, John Horgan say that he had, uh, David Ebay had his support and he had the support of the caucus. But uh, excuse me, that doesn't mean a thing because you need the support of the people. The people are the ones who put you in power and the people are the ones you work for. So I think there's something fundamentally wrong here when there's a leader change. There's, that so you think there should be an election? You think there should be an election? I, I think there should be an election within a certain period of time. 20 seconds. Um, yeah, so um, we've seen situations where leaders call an election pretty quick. Yeah. Bill Vanderzam did back in 86. Uh, Christy Clark waited a while before she went to the polls. Uh, again, he's got to the fall of 2024. I still think there'll be an early one, but I don't think it's going to be this spring.